Hello and welcome to The Queer Thesperience. I am your host, Casper Oliver. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. I am a bisexual, trans-masculine person, and I am an entertainer of many sorts. Voice work, immersion theater, film, anything I can get my grubby hands on, actually. (laughs) Um, And now podcasting. And with me today, I have someone that I'm very excited to have on. Uh, If you could please introduce yourself. Uh, Hello, my name is Jason LaRock. I am a trans man, a demisexual trans man. I use he, him pronouns. And I am just kind of all over the place with little bits of everything. So I've done voice work. Uh, I went to college for film. I stream occasionally during the week. Uh, I write for indie video games, mostly dating simulators, because who doesn't want to date cute characters, honestly? Exactly. So uh, it's just little, just fingers on all the different pies. So uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much me. And I'm, I'm seeing that more and more, like the more people I talk to, it's like you, you, I've had maybe one or two guests that are like, oh, I do voice work. Oh, I'm in film. More often than not, it's, oh, I do a little this and a little that. Because yeah. I feel like we just can't get enough more often than not. <laughs> no. And if you have, you know, different sets of skills that might kind of veer into other departments and different kinds of, you know, gaming and writing and directing and acting and you know there's just little bits of things everywhere so you're not strictly limited to one area unless it's you know your choice you can choose what you want to do but i think for you know entertainment purposes and we just love doing everything oh yeah and especially because you know if you're a voice if you're like a voice actor and you go on to a project and you have experience with directing and writing it can kind of give you a more of a feel of what's going on behind the scenes and what to expect and where they're coming from so and I guess depending on who you are, you can always pick up things too with every project you work on. Yeah. You so know, it's just building you. Yeah. Building you as a person, but also you as an entertainer. So mm-hmm. now um, the main reason that I reached out to you is because you're, well, one, we were mutuals on Twitter for a while and I was like, oh, we actually follow each other. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was researching around for um, just possible ideas for people to reach out to. And you were um, on the kind of, I, I almost want to say like a cult classic almost in Dating Sims. Yeah, uh, I would dr- say so. Yeah, it, it, it's, gotten, <laughs> it's gotten a very interesting following mm-hmm. um, in the best way, most of the time. Um, but you were a voice actor for Dream Daddy. I was. I was in that. Yeah. That. <laughs> and not that our listeners can see your shirt, but I can. And it uh, makes it very clear to me who you played. But if you could tell the listeners who you played. Well, I played the... Well, in my opinion, I'm biased, but the best dad, Damien Bloodmarch. So, uh, goth dad, best dad, vampire dad, we're here for it. That was me. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, when I told the household uh, that I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to be interviewing, <laughs> you know, Jason, you know, from Dream Daddy, Damien. Like, he's, Damien is actually the household favorite so oh good oh good i'm glad to know (laughs) but uh no and it was very exciting especially as someone who's transmasculine to learn that um you know that you know the person behind the voice of damien is actually trans and that um you know that they kind of did they go out of their way or because you know you have some stories where like they learn the actor is trans and then they make the character trans or um lean more into that were they specifically seeking out like queer trans voice actors did you audition like how did that progress that process go for you actually the whole story behind that i love telling it because it's so wacky random coincidental be there at the right moment kind of thing Uh, i had a friend who at the time was really into the Game Grumps and followed kind of all of the people involved in working for Game Grumps and stuff like that. Uh, There was a tweet that had gone out just over the summer, I think earlier in June of 2017, that kind of said, we're looking specifically for uh, a trans man who acts, voice acts uh, for a secret project. It, It didn't say what kind of project it was, it just said secret project. And 
my friend took a screenshot of it, sent it to me because it had the email attached to it. And she said, hey, uh, I know you're kind of into doing stuff like this, but uh, do you want to you want to try? Do you want to go for it? I mean, it's right up your alley, secret project. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, go for it. So I said, okay. Uh, and I hadn't auditioned for anything since high school. So I'm guessing it was like three years or so um, because I spent most of the beginning of my college career, freshman year, kind of figuring out uh, transitioning because I had come out the end of my senior year of high school and I really didn't know what I wanted for myself. I really didn't want to know, or I really wanted to know, but I didn't know um, what path my transition was going to take. So I wanted to go through the first year of college, figure out who I was, figure out, you know, kind of how I fit in to my school, to my group of friends, to my living situations. And I was out on my own, out of state. So it was kind of figuring myself out as an adult and who I wanted to be. So after I figured all of that out, then I started looking towards hormones. And it was my first year, I think, after starting hormones that I said, you know what, I'll audition for this project. So I said, why not? It's, it'll showcase me as me. So yeah. it, was, it was like a, a jump into, you know, maybe I'll get back into this now that I'm, I feel more like myself. Yeah. So I sent them an email. I said, hi, my name is Jason. I don't know exactly what you're looking for, uh, but I'd be interested to hear more about this project. An email came back within an hour and it was somebody that just said, hey, uh, like, thank you so much for reaching out uh, about this project. Um, do you have any, any previous work that you could show us just because we're curious what kind of voices you can do, what you sound like, stuff like that. And all I had were fan project auditions for like abridged things and fan dubs and, you know, audio projects and things like that. So it wasn't really good <laughs> at all, but it was, <laughs> it was substantial. It was something that I had that I could show. And I sent it out within like 30 minutes, I got another email back. And it just said, hey, uh, do you mind if we schedule a call real quick just so we can talk about the project? Like, we'd love to have you involved um, and we want to talk to you directly. And they said, what are you doing in a couple hours? And I was like, it's still the same day. I just <laughs> talked to you. Like, I just sent you messages. And I gave them my number. They called maybe three hours later. And it was a group, I think, of like three people. And I know it was um, Vernon Shaw, Leighton Gray, and there was a third person. I don't remember who exactly it was, but they called. And I just remember being on the phone, sitting on my sofa and hearing, hi, this is Leighton and Vernon from Game Grumps. Are you familiar with the Game Grumps? And I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. Because I had just started kind of watching like Game Grump compilation videos earlier that summer, just on a whim. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. No, I know who you guys are. <laughs> but I kind of, I tried to play it off like, yeah, I've heard of the Game Grumps before. Yeah, no, I I know I know that, and that we ended up familiar. talking. Yeah, it sounds like something I've heard of somewhere. Um, but we talked for a little bit. They kind of talked about the project, and they said we're working on a game called Dream Daddy. And I had just had my roommate send me a link to their game, and just said, "Hey, I saw this on Tumblr." And it's a game where you date dads. How hilarious is that? And I was like, wait a minute. No, I know the game too. I know this. I know what you're talking about. And they said, yeah, we have, um, we have a character who is a trans man. And we're looking for somebody to properly represent the character. And so we were reaching out to see if there was anybody that would be, you know, willing to come and act and, you know, do the character and the community justice. I was like, that's, huh. It was the first time that I'd ever seen, you know, any kind of development team or um, literally anybody really kind of go out of their way to make sure that they properly, you know, cast the character. Yeah. Based on, you know, who the character was, who they wanted to, you know, the story, the, you know, just it, it made me feel really, really good and really seen to know that they were kind of doing these things to make sure that. They were taking the right actions and making the right decisions uh, for the game and for the character. And uh, man, the, the response when people 
found out that Damien was trans and to then have them ask, is the voice actor trans? And to have Leighton confirm that and to have myself confirm that publicly as well. Um, oh my gosh. The amount of messages of people just saying, like, I can relate to this character. This is the first time I've ever felt a connection with a character. Um, this is like, they were, they were basically saying, like people were saying that they were using this game to help them find themselves and to come out to their friends and their families. And they were just kind of embarking on their own journeys. And oh my gosh, there were so many times where I would sit and read these messages and it, it would just make me so happy to yeah. know that, that something that happened within the blink of an eye was, was changing all of these lives. And especially because it's like you, you reached out on a you reached out on a whim. Oh and, yeah, and you've affected so many people in a very unintentional way. It, it seems oh, yeah. it really uh, was a right place at the right time kind of moment. Yeah, no kidding. Just from one screenshot <laughs> sent from a friend, mm -hmm. and that's. I mean, I remember when Dream Daddy came out and the the peak of Tumblr and all that, and it. I'm not usually one for dating sims. I have only ever played two, and that is Dream Daddy and Doki Doki, which have two very different vibes. Oh, yeah, they're on two opposite <laughs> ends, ends of, of the spectrum. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, but, uh, oh, so let me tell you, I did not know you could die in Dream Daddy until it happened to me. And I was you like, know, wait, I, wait. I didn't know for the longest time, and then somebody posted, and they said, so I just died in Dream Daddy, and I just, wait, hold on a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I had to figure out who's, who's the one, who's the culprit, who did it to you, which dad. Who done it. <laughs> which dad did it. Oh, and then man. it's like, because I think it was um, Brian. I think it was Brian's route that had happened. Was it Brian's? I thought it might have been. There's no, three. Wait. I think there's three routes. Because I think three I'm, routes where you can die? I think so. Because I think Brian's, you can fall off the. Um, I always thought it was Craig. I think I well I think there's more than one, but there is Craig where you can fall while hold on hold on listeners I now need to Google this because I'm pretty sure there's more than one. Dying in Dream Daddy. <laughs> oh my gosh! If there's more than one way, um, please tell yeah. me there's more than one. Yep. Oh my god! Um, you can die in um, with Craig or with Brian if you choose to be an ass. Well, <laughs> on the Ferris you wheel, you know consequences. It's what happens? It's teaching you consequences of your actions. If you're an ass, I guess game you over. Die. Game <laughs> over. <laughs> Which was because, like, I I did it more out of because I played Brian's route twice because he's he's one of my other favorites. Um, and because I just love the competitive, like, you know, nature. Oh, and I don't yeah. know, he just looks like a good cuddle buddy. Um, oh, definitely. I think Brian's the best cuddle buddy. Oh, yeah. Like, and also, he's got a dog. Like, right? come on. Like, what right? more do you need? I mean, um, technically, if we're doing through the entire story, technically, Hugo also has a dog. That's true. And I do love Hugo. That, Hugo's my, one of my favorites, definitely. Yeah, if we, last night, there was actually a whole talk in the household of like, you know, okay, if we were dads in Dream Daddy, who would be, who would we be? <laughs> um, Nessa, my fiance, would be Hugo. She's actually a, she used to be an English tutor. She has a master's degree in creative writing and oh, well, there like, we go. just a huge book lover. So it's like, okay, here, you're definitely Hugo. Um, our roommate Cecil, um, who is the token goth of the house, we're like, okay, so you're Damien. Uh, you are you are trans, obsessive vampires, and a goth. Okay, there's this. It's like it, we could go further into this, but that alone. And they they said I'm Brian because I'm the most competitive one in the house. Oh my gosh! So that's so good. I love it. But uh, anyway, so after discussing that side tangent, um, so besides Dream Daddy, I you do have a Twitch account. Um, I you do. do streams. I do. So um, what other sort of things have you done besides Dream Daddy that you would like to share about? Oh, boy. Uh, well, there are two games that I'm currently writing for and maybe... No, I am, I am voicing a character in the one. I completely forgot because I've been writing it for so long. <laughs> um, 
But there was a game that kind of went off the radar a little bit just because we had to rework some things, but we're back and we're hoping to have the game released by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. um, and it is called The Office Type. And it is a dating simulator in an office environment. Um, and you play as a main character whose uh, office supplies become personified at some point uh, during, the, uh, during the intro. And throughout the game, you're kind of uh, left to, you know, engage in your fellow coworkers who are also you know, office equipment, office supplies. Um, it's amazing. I love all the characters. They're so unique. Um, there are, you know, different people with, you know, who use different pronouns. There are characters that, you know, have different sexualities. So their love languages are a bit different. Um, there are people that come from literally all over the globe kind of, characters uh and they're all they're all lovable you, you can't hate any one character it and i am really excited to kind of get this game out into the open so people can see it i uh, had hype i think last spring and then we took some time and now we are in full writing mode to get it done and uh there's just <laughs> there's so much I, I want to say about this game but i can't talk about it uh, yeah but uh you'll probably be able to hear me as keith who is uh the, one of the keyboard characters huh so he's the i think he's the ergonomic keyboard and he is i could talk about his character he's um i always describe him as the guy that brings a guitar to a party oh yeah I know. So he brings a guitar to a party and he's also the office uh, advertisement and commercial voice actor. So hmm. he's the guy that kind of does all the you know, TV spots, radio spots um, and stuff like that. So he's a pretty, he sounds, you know, a little like one of those guys, but I can, I can assure you that he is wholesome and he is good and you're going to love him when he comes out. So the kind of guy that you want to bring a guitar to a party. Like, yes. Okay, okay, cool. Because yes. there's those two types. It's like, oh, God, he brought a guitar. Or, oh, yeah, he brought a guitar. So <laughs> you might think at first, like, oh, he's got a guitar. But then later uh, you'll go, oh, yay, his guitar. Oh, thank God, his guitar is here. Um, so there's that. And his band is pretty funny, too. He's got a band that he likes to perform with. And they're... See if you can figure out who the references are to those to those characters, but um, uh, uh, that's fun. And I think there's the other game that's coming out uh, for people who are more interested in Dungeons and Dragons. There's a dating simulator coming out called Hidden Treasures, and it is centered around a character that ends up falling through a portal and lands in a world inhabited by mythical creatures, but more specifically goblins. Hmm. So it's a dating simulator in a community of goblins. And it kind of turns the whole idea of goblins are a little like gremlin creatures that live in the shadows to they have an entire community based on, you know, knowledge and history and culture. And uh, I write for one of the characters. And again, all of these characters are wholesome. Like there's, there's nothing bad I can say about any of the characters in these games. So yeah, Hidden Treasures and The Office Type are two that if you're interested in dating simulators, really obscure storylines or characters that you just want to hold in your arms forever and never let go, definitely keep an eye on those two. And I think they, they both have Twitter accounts. So Ooh. I think, yeah, you can go, I think you can go follow those. Yeah, well, I'm just as we do this. I'm gonna just so I don't forget. Um, <laughs> Go do that. The office type, and I also now know of two games that I will be playing as soon as they come out. Um, Definitely, cause... I think the office type. Uh, the Twitter for that is under uh, Heavy Thought Studios or the Heavy Thought, I believe. I can double check. Okay, yeah, I may ask you to send me those later. Yeah, I'll definitely send those to you. But All those right. two. 
are I'm very excited about those. Yeah, and uh, to anyone listening on YouTube, I will put all the links in the description uh, so that you can easily go find those if those seem up your alley. Uh, and yeah, I as soon as those games are out, like, dude, hit me up. Uh, I want to play those games. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, I just remembered a third one. Oh my gosh, oh. why am I forgetting things? Today? Oh gosh, my brain is all over the place. Um, there's also a game called Nightshade coming out uh, for people who like cyberpunk drug dealers. Huh. It's, it's really aesthetically pleasing. It's amazing. Uh, the people who are working on it are fantastic. Um, it is for older audiences though, so just putting a warning out there so people don't go into it thinking that it's going to be, you know, PG-13 and not include some really, you know, stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but um, I play one of the antagonists. Oh, that's always fun. His name is Ada, and he's an assassin. So Ooh. that's, that. Um, I really like that too. Like, there are so many good games. Uh, I can't speak, like, I can't be more excited, but there you go. Those three. Cool. Those yeah, no. I I always have a soft spot for playing antagonists. Um, that's actually one of my favorite parts of being like a dungeon master is like playing oh. the, the big baddies. Oh yeah, I Espe- get you. Especially when you can trip the players up and make them trust the big baddie for like an extended period of time. And then it's like, psych, nope. They are I not going not, to try. I hope you're not spoiling anybody. Oh no, 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 okay. no. Okay. No, it's, it's a, I, I ran a one shot um, for my birthday. Cause like a few years ago, I was like, all I want for my birthday is to eat food and play D and D. We played D and D for, I think like 16 consecutive hours. Um, that sounds amazing. It was the best birthday of my life. Um, because for six, for 16 hours. Come on. Oh, where's my 16 hour one shot? Well, okay. Well, next time I DM a one shot, I'll hit you up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I will hold you to that. <laughs> All right, got you. But like, there was a character that they trusted at the beginning, and it was kind of like, not the town guide, but it was a, someone in town that was giving them lodging. And um, what, what they really hated about me was, uh, this is the second uh, one shot that I had DM'd with them. And the first one, it was very much the whole, oh, this guy is like, um, he's trying his best and blah, blah. And he ended up being the big baddie. They understood why he was doing what he was doing with the necromancy, but they're like, that's still cool motive, still murder. Um, <laughs> and then in the second one shot I did, they played different characters and they were characters that got sucked in from all these different dimensions into one pocket dimension. They had to try and figure Ooh. out what was going on and get out. Okay. And um, there was a character that they met who um, had a name that they were like, I think it was my roommate pointed out. I was like, wait, isn't that the same name as like so-and-so's dad and like the other thing? And I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah, huh, well, I guess I forgot about that. And I'm like, fuck! And <laughs> they're on to me. <laughs> and then, then as soon as I said that, they apparently trusted me, which was their mistake. And, oh. <laughs> and they learned it was actually uh, the big baddie from the other thing, but like he'd learned the error of his ways and he was a good guy, but then he ended up mind controlled. So they had to fight him again. And it was this whole thing. And someone, oh, one man. of them threw something at me and I'm like, ah, yes, this is fantastic. <laughs> kind of having those things carry over from story to story. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Like references to things that you've done or references to like, you know, other games and stuff for your players to kind of figure out. Oh yeah. Like, um, and a thing that I do is I just, I like to make OCs and just do things with them later, but I make OCs. Who doesn't? OCs are amazing. It's like coping, but cheaper. (laughs) You know, I never thought of it that way, but now every OC I make, I'm going to be projecting onto them and just going, why am I doing this to you? Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's like, I, sorry. I, you deserve better than this, but I've got things I got to work through. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to be, you're, you're doing your job. Thanks for that. Yeah. Like those, uh, those cosplay role play blogs where you would have like the gift. Hey, Did you do that? Yes. Oh, my God. oh man. But, yeah. It's been a while since I thought about that. Yeah. It's like uh, wild. And it's like, that's why I have this tattoo. None of the listeners can see, but I have the night bell eye on my wrist. Oh my God. Um, well, I mean, I also, I mean, I have a bat on my wrist. Oh, because, I, 
obvious reasons, but I I don't know why. Who I have no idea. It was random. It was Halloween. <laughs> no inspiration from anything nothing. else in life. No, nothing at all. <laughs> uh, see, that's why I love interviewing voice actors because we will inevitably start doing voices at some point in the interview. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to make sure that the the weirdest most recognizable ones don't show up because um i had a roommate in college and we're still really close friends but we're always you know we're always watching anime together we always kind of do the uh like the netflix watch parties kind of right yeah um and occasionally we'll get excited about something and someone will just emerge that is not how i normally sound and she'll call me out on it she'll just go I can hear him right now. I do you know what you're doing? Do you actively hear what you're doing? And then I'll have to stop. But I, I, I'm not talking anymore. No, I'm not. <laughs> don't don't even don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I have that issue. Like with um, my primary work is I am a actor and director for the Murder Mystery Company. So we go do um, immersive entertainment with murder mystery parties. So it's like an interactive clue game. Oh, um, nice, nice. And I not always but usually play the person who's the victim and then after i die i go change costume and then come back as the detective um not always but most of the time um because that's like the brunt of the show uh but there's certain characters that have very distinctive voices like the jerkbag billionaire selfie president of the billionaires club and so i'll talk like this into the microphone and for some reason when i get like huffy with my actors I'm like, you guys are you're driving me up a wall. And I start talking and then they're like, okay, Sal. Okay, Sal, thanks. <laughs> okay, we get it. It's like, okay, we're, ba- we're backing <laughs> off now. Um, uh, man, it's like superpowers, right? It, yeah. It really is like superpowers. You have and, to adapt to the surroundings. And if that just happens to be, you know, a billionaire, then <laughs> so be it. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I may have my opinions on the economy, but a little more money would be nice. You know, just, yeah, yeah. just a little bit. I don't need the billions. I just need the hundreds, maybe. <laughs> like, maybe, please, if I'm lucky, maybe, please, come on. I'll even take tens at this point. <laughs> Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. I find a penny on the street. I'm like, yes, yes, a penny. It's something. It's absolutely worthless, but it's something. It, yeah, oh, it's a little excitement in my day. Yes. Again, adulthood. You take the weirdest, oh, take yeah. the weirdest joys you can. Everything flips on its head. So uh, you mentioned that you studied film in college. I did. It was a I don't know how to, how to explain that. Uh, I always thought for a majority of my childhood that I was going to make movies. Yeah. Um, my dad's the kind of person that would always have a video camera and just film everything that was going on in his kid's life. But uh, I would try and, you know, write skits and try and film them with friends and write movies and stuff like that. And for high school, we had a, a local radio and television station program. So it was a lot of like commercial stuff. And we had a, what was it? It was a educational show called Alphabet Soup. And they would go with an actor to somewhere around the, you know, the uh, school district. And she would have this whole, you know, spiel about, different things in the area that children can do to kind of learn different things. And if it was a, uh, like a monthly event, then she would talk about the event. And I was in charge of writing a segment that was kind of Sesame Street-esque. We had one of those build your own Muppet kits. Yeah. And we built this Muppet and there was a little animated background that we had in a green screen and he would be there and his name was Wally Wordsworth and he would have a letter of the day and it was my job to kind of write I think it was about five to ten minutes uh, of him kind of educating kids on the word and then the person in charge of the station would go through with his people and they would kind of animate little you know bugs and animals and stuff kind of in the background doing things while he's hanging out talking but i voiced him i wrote his stuff and i did his little puppeteering thing uh after school and during classes sometimes and i always thought that's what i was going to do i was going to write scripts i was going to produce them direct them 
film them, edit them, everything, because I had to do it myself in high school. So when I got to college and all these people that had gone to, um, you know, film schools and, you know, art charters and all of these things, their stuff compared to mine was just, they knew what they wanted to do exactly like the, the first moment that they went to school. And I didn't even know who I was supposed to be, let alone where was I supposed to go career-wise. Right. So the four years of college was, you know, learning cinematography, you know, taking basic acting classes to learn how to work with actors, writing general scripts, learning how to light things on a set, um, basic editing. And it wasn't until my thesis year that I realized while preparing to shoot my thesis film, I don't want to do this. This isn't, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't something that I feel I fit. And my thesis advisor even said to me, he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything from you that would indicate that this is an area of, you know, the industry, quote unquote, that's always thrown around that you're going to thrive in. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And that really shut me down for a couple of weeks um, because I, I had, like, I apologized to my parents. I said, I'm sorry for wasting your time for four years, thinking that this was something that I wanted to do and ultimately coming to the end of the road and just kind of giving up. I mean, to be fair, I didn't give up. I finished my thesis film. They let me graduate, letting me graduate being the keywords here. But um, I, I walked out of there knowing how to market myself at least a little bit better. I had done Dream Daddy during school, mm -hmm. which means that I was starting to get back into you know gaming and voice acting. And I met a bunch of really amazing people through just kind of networking post Dream Daddy. Um, I got to go and visit uh, the Game Grub Studios before they moved to their new location. Uh, so I got to sit down and talk with them. And I really just kind of said, I know I'm, I'm a young adult. I don't know where my life is taking me, but I know the things that I don't want. I know the things that I do want. And I just said, how did you guys do it? Yeah. How did you figure out this was where you were supposed to be? And we had an amazing conversation just about, you know, life is always going to open new doors. Life is always going to present you with things that you think are right for you, that are that look great, that look promising, that kind of fit you at that point in your life. But there, there's always going to be a chance that things will change or that you'll see something off in the distance and want to pursue that, but you're stuck where you are. And it's just trying to navigate how do you get to the point where you can kind of sit back and realize that, yes, this is my spot. This is my niche. This is where I feel comfortable. This is where I can thrive. This is where I can create. This is where I can tell stories. This is where I can entertain. And I think, again, we were talking earlier about entertainers do so many different things. Entertainers have so many different avenues that they like to pursue, mainly because we're all trying to find that one spot that we fit. But at the same time, we know that there's all of this out there and we like to take in as much as we can to, you know, suss out what works? What doesn't? Where do we feel the most comfortable? Where can we, you know, pursue dreams? Where can we pursue our talents, our skills? Where can we build ourselves up? And I think having that conversation and going through college, kind of hitting that moment where the people around me were creating these amazing things. And I mean, I, I did have a hand in a few of those projects and I did get to work alongside them, but there was no way that I was ever going to be the same kind of creator that they were. And so stepping out post-college to write video games, to voice act, to audition, to meet other people, to see what, what kinds of things are out there, it has now opened to this, you know, I'm basically in a store and there's all of these things on the shelves and it's like, I can take whatever I want. Yeah. I can take and, you know, I can cook different things. I can take different skills, different talents, work with different people. And I can create these different things that other people can enjoy. I can share this with other people. And gaming and streaming and voice acting, it's so 
I mean, there are similarities, but it's so vastly different from the way that film made me feel. Right. And I'm so glad that there was that kind of turning point. And even sitting down with my thesis advisor, post-thesis, we had a talk where he said, what do you want? Like, where do you want to go? What do you want to learn? What do you want to be able to, you know, succeed with? And I, said, I told him, I don't know. And it's definitely not film. It might be some skills that I have in case I need a job at a, you know, in a pinch. But the things that I learned outside of film while being in film school is everything that I kind of needed in order to kind of, you know, convince myself and reassure myself that there was more out there and that there were more opportunities and more chances for art and artists and for networking and making connections. And I don't think I've met a single person since, you know, networking from, you know, Dream Daddy, that one, that one thing that was so last minute, so quick, the turnaround was almost instantaneous. But from then onwards, it's just kind of gone to show that there are so many good people, so many good artists and creators in the world that just want to create this sense of artistic community. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. That's and it's amazing. Like, and I feel like a, a thing that tied with this is that so many entertainers don't want to be artists in general, not just entertainers, but artists. Boxes and artists don't mix well. Definitely not, no. Like whether it's writing or acting or digital art or whatever your art is, boxes and artists typically don't fit well. Even if they stick to one genre, mm -hmm. it, it, you, you still don't usually find people happily putting themselves in a box. Mm-hmm. When you have things like producers and managers and like you get really big league, then they may put them in a box. But how often have we seen artists break those boxes? Like Taylor Swift yeah. went from pop country to just strict pop and then has delved into rock and other things, you know, just you, you see them exploring these avenues. And especially when you're kind of like the level that we're at, we don't have anyone managing what we do. Mm -hmm. So we just do whatever comes our way that seems like fun and hopefully maybe sometimes pays you know <laughs> if we're lucky if we're lucky yeah uh, so yeah well and you know they usually say that as actors we don't act for a living we audition for a living and sometimes get to act and That's sometimes true. you get paid <laughs> <laughs> you're right with that it definitely is uh, a life of auditioning yes but um and it's great people and you made a, a point that like I almost, you were talking and it was like this weird cinematic moment in my head where like the words you were saying were aligning exactly with like my life and my journey. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but, like, Hey, artistry, we know how to get that visual image. It's, it's very true. <laughs> but you know, when I, I've always known that I wanted to be an actor since I was a kid and I was kind of pushed away from pursuing it as a profession for a very long time for most of the people in my life um, when I was a kid. So I almost, God, I almost went into the military. I almost became a detective. I was going to become a therapist. Like anything but acting was what I was going to pursue. Wow. And then I moved away from home and moved to Florida. And I'm like, no, 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 you know what? Scrap all that. I know what I want to do. And originally I was like, oh, well, I'll do film. <laughs> Yeah, that's where a lot of the big shots go. And then I realized, well, I don't think I actually enjoy film as much. Um, I like watching movies. And sure, being in films is fun, but it's not as, that, that emotional gratification isn't as um, strong. And so then voice acting, I've loved anime and cartoons and video games for years and um, was particularly drawn to being in video games because it's more than just telling a story, it's being a part of the story for these people and did some stage. I love stage um, because you hear the gasps and the oohs and the ahs <laughs> and the responses and then you get to meet the people that just saw you and talk with them. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I really like stage. Um, but, and then I got into immersion theater and like I've been in, I've been in a haunted house before and it was fun. You know, who doesn't love scaring the crap out of someone that willingly wants to get the crap scared out of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then it was just 
with immersion theater, it's again, pulling someone into the story, having them be a part of the story, letting them play characters like, oh, you came to this dinner party. Well, here's a binder full of character information and a silly hat. You are now a murder suspect. Like (laughs) having that. And now like the more and more I'm doing immersion and voice, the more and more I look at film and I'm like, oh, Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so I, I think it's funny that yeah. we both have this like weird thing with film specifically <laughs> i mean there's nothing wrong with film there's a lot oh, of, no there's a lot of stuff in film that you can really have a lot of fun with uh and a lot of things you can kind of you know bend the rules break boundaries you can tell stories in different ways visually and emotionally and you know through delivery stuff like that but there's just something something mechanical yeah. about it it's definitely mechanical. It's very rigid. And, you know, I guess for the both of us, breaking out of that and seeing how we can take storytelling in all of these different directions while still entertaining, while still getting messages across, while still seeing the kind of effect that it has on the people and the audiences that are engaging in what we're creating. I don't know. It feels more lively. It feels very like, much. It feels like this kind of avenue for acting and creating and storytelling not only does it involve people more, it's, it's kind of like an instant gratification of seeing if people enjoyed it, if people didn't enjoy it, if you have you know, room to grow, if people are kind of getting involved themselves. I don't know, it's, it's so much more satisfying to see the result of you know, your entertainment, of your, the fun, of the feelings, the emotions, all of that yeah. stuff, and seeing people just love it and eat it up. Oh, yeah. And one thing that I always love in video games, and um, I'm like, I I love playing video games. I, even if I suck at them, like I just, I'm like, well, (laughs) the games I suck at are the ones that I won't uh, stream. But (laughs) like Undertale, I will die a thousand times before I get anywhere, but I love the story. But with video games, and this is something that I'm doing in the podcast I'm writing, and also um, with like immersion theater, which I'm sure you can get in film, but the the nuances are a lot easier to put in subtly in things like video games and like interactive entertainment mm-hmm. is good foreshadowing. Mm. And you can foreshadow well in books and movies and stuff. You, you most certainly can. But like when you have video games and you're going around picking up like diary entries that you might miss if you don't pick up everything or you know with immersion theater it's very much the whole I may not say something in a lineup but if I'm going and talking to a table as a character who's secretly a bad guy I can start like dropping these little hints that they're like hold hold on you're not as nice as you were acting up there what's going on but it's just like little subtle things and you can really get those more in things like DMing D&D or video games, you know, just, and it's yeah. like, it's so satisfying, especially when you can watch people pick up on it. Oh yeah. Or if they miss it and then you reveal it and they're like, Oh, that's what's that that Wait was. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. So, um, but it, it just, it's a different type of storytelling and mm-hmm. it's more intimate. Maybe it's the word. Yeah, I would say intimate. It's it's a lot of the audience is within the story. Yeah. Even if they're not directly influencing the story at all for, for video games, sometimes if it's a clean cut story, like a visual novel and you're just kind of reading as it goes along. Um, but they're, you know, role-playing games, tabletop games, um, games that involve character creation, uh, games with story elements, you know, like you said with, diary entries and picking up things that have uh i was talking with somebody the other day about like demon souls and bloodborne and those kinds of games all of the story is kind of not indirect well it's indirectly told through uh the weapons that you pick up the descriptions in the weapons kind of describe the world in a way yeah. so it there are different ways to tell stories that you can uncover yourself and your interpretation of you know, the adventure that you're going on or the characters that you're interacting with is strictly based on what you find, what you see, what you feel. Yeah. Whereas watching a movie, sure, you can have the same emotions towards how the story is progressing, but everything 
is given to you. Right. Everything is there. You can watch the film a million times. And of course you can find new things that you didn't, you know, pick up on before, but it's still going to be, you know, the same, you know, sets of ingredients and things like that, that other people can also see. So yeah, I think taking acting and immersive entertainment and video games and streaming. Oh, definitely with streaming. Oh yeah. Definitely with streaming. Cause you're playing the game. So you're having an intimate experience with the story as a streamer, as somebody playing the game. And you're also sharing that with people who are watching you and talking in chat. You could have conversations about completely different things and everybody will walk away with some sort of, you know, connection to the stream. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's one of the things that I get, uh, like I'm most excited for, for doing streams. You can experience the game and you can experience the person playing the game and the difference with streaming versus like watching let's plays on YouTube or whatever, which I still love to do. Oh, they're still great. They're a blast, but you can have that real time sort of interaction and be a part of the play of it. Um, mm-hmm. Like you sometimes have streamers that have the chat actually help them decide what choices to make and like That's where fun you know. too. I recently um, started doing that, having people kind of, they have these prompts now. I don't know if you've seen it, but in Twitch they have these prompts now and you can get channel points huh. and people can spend channel points and you can have different things that people can do. So you might spend 300 channel points and remind the streamer to hydrate or take a, like, take a drink of water, or you can prompt them to give a treat to their pet. Or you can also have things like if you spend like 2,000 to 4,000 channel points or something, the person in chat can dictate where they want the streamer to go next on the map, or if they want them to switch out weapons, or they can suggest you know quests to do or side quests to kind of pursue. And it changes the dynamic a little bit of the streamer is in control the chat is there to observe to now the streamer is playing the game in conjunction with you know suggestions from the chat and that ultimately changes what the stream is going to experience yeah because like can you imagine playing a game like detroit become human or something where the chat is like okay you you as this character have this dialogue choice and you don't have a timer when it comes to these dialogue choices i don't know you do but i think you can pause um but like you have to make this dialogue option it's like okay do i want to be nice to this person do i want to say and just like imagine the chat being like no have connor say this have marcus do this i think telltale games (laughs) any of the telltale games having the chat (laughs) the decisions uh i think there've also been streams where there've been uh, it was a pokemon stream i think i don't remember exactly what it was the one where the chat could input directions and like walk forward three steps or open your inventory and the yeah. entire game was run strictly on these co- like commands put into chat yeah i heard about was, like, that like a world record for how fast the chat was able to you know, come together and play the game from start to finish. <laughs> Didn't like a religion form behind it or something behind like Did, a was Pidgey? There a, was like not, there... a, not like an actual religion, but oh. it's like weird, like in-game like thing with I, I, I was someone I Google that because now I'm curious. Okay, I'm going to message the person that I know who did like an absurd amount of research on it. And I'm going to be like, hey, Chris, can you tell me what this was? Because I'll send it to you. Because it's curious now. Wild. Like one of my friends did a presentation on it in a Zoom party. And I was just <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, that's. See, you can't do this with movies. No. <laughs> you can't do this with film. <laughs> you can't play an entire game with a chat start to finish with film. No, yeah. no way. Is, um, but. Um, and last thing before we kind of start the ending process is, um, what is one of your, like, most memorable, I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but it's what I'll go with for now, um, memorable kind of interactions with your whole adventure and journey on Dream Daddy, playing Damien, having all this, and you mentioned that you've had a lot of really positive feedback um, mm-hmm. and people reaching out to you. And why is something in particular, if anything in particular, has really stuck out ab- 
about the response that you got as being a trans man, playing a trans man in this very safe place for queer people to just be (laughs) themselves, you know? And like, what has been some really memorable feedback besides, you know, you mentioned that you've changed, that you feel like you've that people have come to you and been like, you know, you changed my life. Like this game changed my life, you know? Um, Has there been like any other particular instances that have really stuck out and stuck with you? Oh, definitely. Um, I'm definitely going to shout out some of my friends in Rhode Island. Uh, We met at Anime Boston a couple years ago and they were cosplaying Dream Daddy characters. So I think it was Joseph, Mary, and Damien. Those were the three that I remember. And we ended up connecting on Facebook somehow because I think they tagged me in an image that they had taken with me. And we've been talking for a while. We were, you know, just kind of casually, hey, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. Uh, It was really great to meet you. Um, And then out of the blue, we hadn't talked for a couple months. And out of the blue, they asked, do you mind if I send you something in the mail? And I don't normally get mail. So I was, I was kind of, I was down for it. I was like, okay, sure. I'd like to get some mail. Yeah. And they basically said, um, I hope this isn't weird or anything, but uh, my fiance and I were talking and we'd really like to invite you to our wedding. And I, we hadn't talked all that much. We weren't a hundred percent like close friends kind of thing, but they invited me to their wedding and I got the invite in the mail and I made preparations to kind of take that week off. And what was really interesting is it was, um, the, it was the month before I got top surgery. So that was a, a big deal to kind of be like, I'm kind of sharing with these people like a little bit about my life and they're sharing with their life with me, stuff like that. So uh, I drove the six hours up to Rhode Island uh, I got to stay with them, and in a weird twist of fate, one of their uh, bridal party members, or a member, like somebody who was in the bridal party, ended up not being able to come. So this wedding included a bunch of different kinds of religious aspects. So there was, um, I think there was some like pagan influences and Native American rituals and Norse mythology kind of mixed in, and it was this big spiritual experience and the one person that was supposed to be a part of their bridal party played an integral role in one of the aspects of this wedding and since i was there they said i know this is really sudden and the wedding's in like two days but would you want to fill this position and I've never been a part of a wedding that was anything other than like strictly like Roman Catholic. So I don't, so I didn't know what to expect, but they walked me through it. They told me what I would need to do. And I think I distinctly remember standing in as like the embodiment of the spirit or the ancestral spirit or like the spirit of families being joined together or something like that. And it was such an emotional environment, not a bad way, mainly like a good way. And to kind of be there and kind of bear witness to a marriage of people that I had only known for a year that were, that kind of met me through a dating simulator about dating dads. (laughs) And suddenly I'm standing there next to an ancestral altar watching people get married who I now felt comfortable and felt close enough to call my friends because I spent all this time with them now. Yeah. I basically had been inducted into their family and I don't think I would have ever expected that. No. Bonding from, you know, a video game like this to meet people, befriend these people and end up, you know, being a part of such an intimate moment in their lives yeah and i still i still think about it we still talk to each other just about you know every couple weeks we say hey how's it going like how are things um they have me in a group chat with a bunch of their other friends and it's fun to just see them talk about okay we're having movie night tonight oh the cat fell off the stairs i think the cat's okay or just like random things but uh yeah i think that's the most 
memorable thing that's kind of come out of Dream Daddy. And it's, it has nothing to do with, you know, anybody, you know, stepping up and saying like, hey, this helped me because those kinds of conversations where people have kind of thanked me as well as the game and the devs for kind of putting this out into the world. But to have somebody go out of their way to involve you in like the next step in their future. Like that's, that's really crazy, but in the best possible way. <laughs> like the be- the best just shade of why, like at that point, it's like, what's my life? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was standing there and I just felt this like overwhelming sensation of what is going on? <laughs> like, I love that I'm here and I love that I'm experiencing this, but how did I get here? Yeah. How did this happen? I'm glad that it did. I'm definitely glad that it did. And I wouldn't change anything, but yeah, that, that definitely was something that I never thought dream daddy would allow me to do. And yet, and yet here we are. And yet here we are. And at the end of every episode, towards the end, I always ask my guests, um, if you were to meet either yourself when you were kind of trying to figure out where you wanted to be and who you were and um, trying to figure out your life and your future path, um, if you met yourself at that age or someone who was going through that in a way kind of akin to how you were, uh, what sort of advice would you want to pass on from what you have learned since you found yourself kind of in that struggle? I would probably start off by saying you never have to apologize for figuring out yourself. If that's, you know, with work, with who you are as a person, um, if it's, you know, figuring out where you belong in, you know, a family, a found family, group of friends, a classroom, stuff like that. Never, never feel like you have to apologize for changing your mindset, changing what you want for yourself, because nobody knows yourself better than you. Nobody can tell you who you should be, who you're supposed to be, because you're you. You know what you want. You know what you're best at. So that's the one thing. And the second thing would probably be that your authentic self is the best version of you. If you're still working on it, that's totally fine because you're going to figure yourself out at some point. That's just kind of how life is. That's how life goes. You change, you evolve, you adapt, you learn new things, you come into contact with people that open your eyes towards, you know, different paths of life, different uh, opportunities, uh, you know, different things that you didn't think were possible. Uh, there's always going to be times when you kind of readjust who you are, but that's still your most authentic self. That's still you figuring out who you are. And that's the best you. And being the op- authentic version of yourself is the best way to be because that just makes you awesome. It just makes you special. That makes you unique. That makes you the one and only you. And there's no one else in the entire world that's quite like you. So you can be proud of that and don't apologize for it. That's all I got. I love that though. Be unapologetically your most authentic self. And you know, definitely. And uh, now for the listeners, we've mentioned a few times, uh, social media, where can our listeners find you, your, your social media, your Twitch, where can they find you? It's all pretty much the same. It's uh, Twitch, uh, Twitter, uh, I think Instagram is the same, but it's all J underscore S-O-N, Larock, L-A-R-O-C-K. So Jason Larock, the A is missing. It's just an underscore. and if you are listening to youtube i will put the links in the description along with the other games that uh he mentioned and if you are listening to this elsewhere then you can just scroll down to the episode description and find it there Uh, i'll type it out 
And again, if you're listening to this on YouTube, you can also find links to our podcast social media. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We post frequent updates and also memes and promote and shout out to other queer creators and queer content. Some of that other queer content being our upcoming fiction podcast. If you like things like Welcome to Night Vale, SCPs, or the lore podcast by Alan Mankey, please check out Jar of Rebuke. Uh, by the time this episode airs, that podcast will have started already. It is based purely on the folklore and urban legends of the Midwestern United States. So the creepy crawlies within the woods and the cornfields and all that, and the black-eyed children, anything you can think of, all of that gets completely compiled into the audio journals of Dr. Jared Hell. And that is another queer-led project. And you can now support both Jar of Rebuke and the Queer Thesperience on uh, Patreon. There is also Etsy that you can get cool merch and support the podcasts as well as one-time donations on Ko-fi. So all the typical stuff, all of that is in the description. And tune in not next Friday, but the Friday after that for every other Friday with interviews with other queer entertainers. And remember, all the world's a stage. So be sure to give him one heck of a show. This has been Casper Oliver, joined by Jason LaRock, signing off. Bye-bye. Have you ever wondered what wanders the fields at night? Or have you seen lights out in the woods that you know are not lightning bugs or deer with just a few too many eyes? Well, all of these things are commonplace within the farm town of Wichton. Jar of Rebuke is a Midwestern gothic horror comedy audio drama run by a queer-heavy cast and crew. Delve into the cornfields, explore the woods by the river, and make sure you bring your favorite dish to the local potluck, because Wichton is full of many fine folks for you to meet, creatures for you to encounter, and many mysteries for you to solve. The creatures and hauntings within Jar of Rebuke are all based on real lore and legends from the Midwestern United States, from the black-eyed children to the not-deer to the Michigan melon heads. Follow Dr. Jared Hell's audio journal and his run-ins with these various creatures while trying to remember his forgotten past. With the voices of myself, Casper Oliver, as well as Vanessa Rosengrant, Ashley Kraft, Cecil Fox, and guests like Jason LaRock, Misha Bakshi, and Conrad Mishuk, as well as many, many more, providing their talents to flesh out the world of Wichden, the townsfolk within, and even the supernatural creatures themselves. Compared by listeners to things like Welcome to Night Vale, SCPs, The Magnus Archives, and Tannis, if those things but with a Midwestern Gothic twist seem up your alley, be sure to tune in on every 7th and 21st on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast fix for new episodes of Jar of Rebuke.